Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey, everyone. This is Alan, and you're listening to the Theater Podcast. Our guest for this episode is Tatiana Maslani. And before we get going, just a quick disclaimer that we recorded with Tatiana just days, like a day or two before the SAG strike began. The conversation pertaining to her past SAG projects, such as Orphan Black and She-Hulk, have been left in this episode since they are no longer new works, nor is her appearance on this podcast in promotion of either of those projects. We're here to talk about her and, of course, Greyhouse, which you have to go see. Okay, disclaimer over. Tatiana is super funny, she's fun, and she's passionate about personal, per in-person physical connection, which, if you've lis- listened to any podcast episode of this in the past, you know I am as well. I just love that shared experience of going on an emotional journey with a room full of strangers. She just fell into acting and literally just kind of ran with it. She's a great example of someone saying yes and making the most of opportunities as they're presented to her. Just so much of a great chat. So now find me on Threads. I joined Threads. Find me on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, all the places. Leave a rating, leave a review, answer some of those questions at the end of Spotify that you can answer. You know what to do. Now, everybody, please enjoy this episode with Tatiana Maslany. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Here you go. One, two, three. Buckle up, folks. Today's guest is a fun one. After beginning her dance career at age four and performing on the stage at the age of nine, she rose to fame on TV for her multiple roles at Orphan Black, playing the same character, you figure that out, which won her a Primetime Emmy Award. Among many TV credits, she's appeared in shows such as Heartland, The Nativity, Perry Mason, and most recently as the lead Hulkstress in She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, which just earned her a 2023 Critics Super Choice Super Award. Super Choice Award? I don't know. Super choice. Super choice. <laughs> She's lent her voice to several audiobooks, including the Hunger Games trilogy as Katniss Everdeen, of course, before making her B-Way debut in 2018 in Network alongside Brian Cranston. She can now be seen as Max opposite Laurie Metcalf and the Broadway thriller Greyhouse, one of my new favorites. Tatiana Maslany, welcome to the Theater Podcast. Hi, thank you for acknowledging that my career in dance was a career in dance. It was. It's at, at age four. Coats career. Absolutely. I got paid yeah. for those taps. So uh, in in true uh, uh, dad joke fashion, I'm going to put on my QVC hat. But wait, there's more. She performed <laughs> comedic improv for 10 years, participated in an improv theater, including a Canadian improv game in Canadian improv games, and has since become a member of the General Fools Improv Theater and is a certified improv- improvisational trainer. Easy for you to say. <laughs> Damn, Tatiana. Um uh, Jesus, uh, let's start with that because out of all the things I thought I knew about you, 
being a professional improv trainer was not one of them. Yeah, that I still feel I still feel like a fraud in that respect. But <laughs> I did put in the time. I mean, I did a lot of improv and I did a lot of improv training and I did a lot of improv trainer training. So I, I yeah, I did improv in French in elementary school, like sur la glace, which is a type of it's like there's a whole there's a whole culture of French improv in Canada. <laughs> which I don't know if you know about. But when you're nine years old and you're doing that. Wait, so that, you're nine doing French improv. Yeah, because I went to an immersion, a French immersion school. Yeah. And for kids who were like me, not athletes, this was the option. <laughs> Competitive French improv. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, okay, okay. So your your parents then, um, wait, talk to me about your parents too, because I was reading about that and I didn't write it down. Mm-hmm. But you went to this French immersion school. And if I'm remembering correctly, you were in Canada in French immersion speaking German at home before you learned English? Sure. I mean, like as a baby, basically like my dance career, my (laughs) career in being fluent in German started when I was, you know, pre-verbal. I basically learned German before I learned English in the sense that my mom taught me to speak German when I was a babe in arms. You know, as I was learning English, I was also learning German. How do you cry Um, in German? I don't, you don't. That's the whole thing. I'm crying. <laughs> That's the whole problem. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, 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 I think, uh, I definitely think that that like helped in terms of just like opening up my brain. I think, you know, learning a language at that age is like a great way to just like open up the pathways to like dialects and like curiosity about how we relate to each other, how we speak, you know, how we express ourselves. So well that that um was one of the things that I was really impressed with with Orphan Black. I watched I watched that years ago, right, when it came out. And I was always impressed with the specificity of each individual character's dialect. And I was gonna mm. I wanted to ask you about it because it is I guess were the the journey through that were you cast and then you were like i can do all these voices i can do all these dialects or was that part of like the casting process of their of your like they were saying how can you do this can you do that and then it all just kind of get rot get got written in like that it was definitely part of the initial pro like the 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 audition for that show was like i think i was playing like four characters i think me and the other women who were auditioning for that part parts uh had to do like four different characters in the room and sort of like change on a dime Mm -hmm. um but i don't think we even i think sarah was kind of the only like dialect we did because we there was no helena helena i didn't even existed rachel didn't exist you know like any of the others with dialects mk did not Okay, was that her name? But she did not exist, you know, <laughs> yeah. midway through first season or whatever, three, three episodes into first season, they were like, we're thinking of this like serial killer character, maybe Russian. And I was like, well, I'm Ukrainian. Should we, should we like go a little less like on the nose with the Russian thing and like see about making, you know, finessing her in that direction. And and that's where that came from. But I mean, it could have, I don't know. I don't, I'm not saying I'm like, I'm great at accents, but like, but you are. Uh, no, well, I, I disagree. I think I'm a good, I'm an all right mimic. You know, who's a really good mimic is Jordan Gavaris, who plays Felix, who no one on the crew knew was Canadian. Really? They all, thought, they all worked with him every day and thought he was British. 
That's interesting. I, yeah. I just listened to the Idris Elba episode of Smartless yesterday. And uh-huh. when he was getting cast for The Wire, they're like, they don't want British people. You have to act like Americans. So like they had already, I think it was the final callback. And they were like, are you British? Wait, like, where are you from? Yeah. And they called him out and he, and they were like, he was British. Anyway. It's like, I'm from Detroit. I'm, yeah, I'm from LA. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Texas. All right. All right. All right. All right. You but, did a Matthew McConaughey. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would love to hear that Eldris Elba doing Matthew McConaughey. Oh, you should ask oh, him. All right, all right, all right. Yeah. That's really I'm, good. I'm McCavity. I broke over human law. Yeah. Wait, I'm McCavity. He in the Cats movie. Whoa, you brought so many references. I was like, I was like on the plane with him in this new show he's on. Oh, you're but in, you're you in Cats. No, I've never watched it. Oh, oh, I was gonna say oh hi. I was is like, it hi. I, I haven't seen it yet. I want to now that I've listened to it. I want to see it anyway. We're not going <laughs> to talk about Tatiana. Tatiana, how many? Uh, so, Maslani is that Ukrainian? It is. It means buttery. It means a little butter. <laughs> so, uh, as Alan Seals, my last name, I've got scales. If you write the e wrong, I've got Cialis. I've got Siles. I've got so many mm-hmm. things. How many? What's the most fun pronunciation of? Tatiana or Maslani that you've heard. Oh my God. It's a daily, it's a daily treat. Both I, did I say it right? You did you did. You said it very American. Tatiana like, Maslani. Yeah. Hey, I'm Tatiana Maslani. Um Americans like to open up those A's in a big beautiful vowel sound. But in Canada, or is the in the way it's supposed to be pronounced, it's Tatiana Maslani. Tatiana. Tatiana Maslany, but I don't even say that. It's too alienating. <laughs> <laughs> Tatiana, that's very, it, yeah. yeah it seems like you don't seem like a Tatiana. No, no, you're. I'm right. not even a Tatiana. I'm a Tat. Tat is that we go by Tat? Yeah, Americans say Tot, which is strange to me, but I'll take it. But that's T O T. You're T A T. That's a Tat. Correct. Tat. Correct. Americans are dumb. Americans are dumb. Happy Fourth of July, everybody. Yeah, happy Fourth, you dummies. <laughs> dummies. Uh, so um, you're also a smarty because you 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 went to well, not the saying you're not already smarty, but uh, okay. went to University of Regina for a little bit studying Regina. <laughs> pronounce it as it need need be pronounced. It's Regina. Regina. Yeah. Regina, Regina. Lean right into the most embarrassing way you could pronounce that word. <laughs> okay. University of Regina. Yes. Studying German, ancient Greek, philosophy, psychology, and film. No, no. You are giving me credit where the zero credit is due. And as in, I didn't get any credits, as in, I didn't finish anything. Right. I started, I started was like, I should probably do some schooling because acting is a fool's game and like i need to like have something to la- uh, like fall back on as my mom said so i started taking you know whatever classes felt like they had nothing to do with anything and that was these classes and i didn't finish the semester cuz i got a job in toronto at, at, to to be a little um uh, precocious young writer in a cbc tv uh, mini series so i left I didn't finish school. Right, right. I'm not as smart. I'm not as smart as you're giving me credit for. Well, no, I'm just saying the way it's listed, you are smart because I started my freshman year of college taking like electives in gym, and you know I took karate because I wanted an easy A. Yeah, but that wouldn't have been an easy A for me. That really? would have been no. 
That would have been something I wish I could have been good at. I always wanted to be great at martial arts. Um, okay, so little kid dancing and theatering. And do you remember a time when you were looking at your life, looking at yourself in the mirror, and uh, and you were like, "This is what I have to do. This is what I need to do. This is who I am on my in my inside soul." The only memory I have of that is being like 13 and being like, I need to be buff. <laughs> <laughs> I need to get buff. And that was a big thing for me when I was 13 was I wanted pipes. Um, no, I mean, I think I really fell into it in, in a kind of wonderfully unthought out way. And I say that just because there was no sense of like, oh, I, this is a career. There's no, no sense of that. There was no sense of, I'm going to do this the rest of my life. There was no sense of um, uh, like fame or Hollywood or any of those ideas. It was just like, this is really fun. I love auditioning. I love playing characters. I love being on stage. I love being in front of a camera. And it was just sort of like, as a kid, I was just very fortunate. And a lot of my friends, we we just like, we grew up either like making stuff at home and then also being professional actors or being in community theater or like it was just part of the same thing as like making films with your best friends and your siblings. You know what I mean? It was like an extension of that in so many ways. That's cool. So were yeah. you making films? Were you you actually like camcorder or there were this was pre iPhone because we're similar age. Yeah. Um, like I remember taking the over the shoulder VHS camcorder yeah. and going out when I was 12 13 with the kids and like scripting it on the spot and telling them to do this totally we would I think my parents would rent um like a big VHS camcorder every like every so often on the weekend they would rent it and then we'd have it for like two days to like mess around with but then eventually we got like a mini DV camera do you remember a mini DV yes, of course. like all of these different versions of it where the you know sometimes the tape was this big sometimes it was thin it was getting thinner oh my god like we can like you know in camera edit we can put our two vcrs together and transfer stuff back and forth and <laughs> you know cut together a really good scene um but yeah that's what that's what we did we made claymations we were just like little nerds for it we loved it we're going to take a short break stay tuned for more of the episode I have so much, uh, so many videos, exa exactly like you said. Um, yeah. Our camcorder could do uh, dubbing, so I took I <gasps> on on. Um, it, it, remember Sega Genesis, Sonic the Hedgehog. Mm -hmm. There, there was like because it was a, a a CD. There, there was a portion of it that was music. So if you could put, it, I forget how you could do this. This has been <laughs> God, thirty years, thirty five years, that you could put it either in a in a CD player or something and played the sound effects off of the game. Yes. And so I would take those sound effects yes. and dub them onto these videos. So I, for a seventh grade, uh, uh, book report, I didn't want to write anything. I was lazy AF. Yeah. 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 And, Just always make a video. And so I made a video yes, of me yes, as yes. the Hobbit because it was Lord of the Rings. Sure. And I, w I, I, uh, made my character, um, win a trip to the place <laughs> where where frodo had to go and it was like ding 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 and i used all the sonic sound effects right use what you've got me. yeah totally yeah, yeah, yeah. so i gotta find that That's i it. also love the 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 hacking of like 
how when we had like analog things, you could make them do stuff that they weren't made to do. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like you can't do that nowadays unless you're like an expert hacker on the internet or whatever. Like maybe kids can do it, but like we had, yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know, with the little hats and the newsy hat that the (laughs) hackers wear. And we got to be so creative with these like analog things that somehow had multi-purposes. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. Yeah, Oh, the analog life. I I miss it so much. Me too. Oh, that's page check. Page check, page check. Then you got your Broadway debut. You were in Broadway debut in 2018 in network mm-hmm. with B Crans. Yeah, Crambone. Crambone. And where, like, what was the progression of that? Because you're getting, um, like, you've got Orphan Black in the can, just this mm-hmm. tiny little thing that, of course, blew up. <laughs> and then what, in terms of She Hulk, was that filmed before after covid like with all the special effects i have no clue when any of this stuff ever gets filmed these days but where was that in the process and how did you get to broadway during all of this so broadway happened so after after orphan black i got um an offer for an off-broadway show called mary page marlowe which Mm -hmm. is written by tracy letts directed by lila neugebauer and i was beyond i was overwhelmed with how i i couldn't believe i couldn't believe it and to do theater in New York was, you know, as I got, and I mean, even as a kid would have been, you know, I, I wore out my into the woods, like VHS that I rented from the the library, you know, like loved that stuff. And it just seemed like unattainable, like this untouchable thing. So getting to come here and do off Broadway with like this fantastic group of actors this piece that just spoke to me in such a deep way and with like Tracy and Lila was just ridiculous. So I got to do that for a few months and I don't know how, how it happened, but I think Evo Van Hove's um, like his assist or his like, his like buddy, he's not his buddy, his like working partner, his producing partner, like saw me, his creative partner saw me in Mary Page and I guess put me forward for network. So I met with Evo and and I don't know how that decision got made because I felt so completely miscast in that part, but was also like, all right, you're going weird. Like, great. Let's see what this is, you know, and I'll try my best to like find her. But um, that was a strange, intense process. I'd never done a play that long. I'd never done Broadway, you know, like Crambone is selling out every show. So we have a thousand people every night in the seats with all of that energy and that show is such a like rush as it is it was just it was totally overwhelming and after I finished that maybe six months later COVID hit yeah and and then it was like absolute stoppage um and and like uh probably the first time since I was nine that I stopped working that I wasn't doing something that I wasn't cast in something and it was a wild yeah well I mean obviously we all went through some seismic shift there yeah oh and then She-Hulk <laughs> She-Hulk was an audition <laughs> and no, I did it I did it over Zoom because it was COVID so I did it I did this weird audition in the house that I was moving out of because my husband had just gotten a job in Toronto so we were going to fly back to Toronto and. um 
my house was empty. It was like a stack of books with this with the zoom on it. And actually, this is a this is a, a good story for the theater folks out there. But before the audition, I was so nervous. I was so nervous. I hadn't auditioned in so long and it just felt impossible. It was a comedy. I was just like, I'm so out of my depths. So I, my best friend, Tess, who I grew up acting with and who's an amazing improviser and actor, she and I read <laughs> Waiting for Godot together <laughs> over Zoom <laughs> to try to to try to like, I don't know, just like distract or like find something or like work out a little bit of the nerves or whatever right before my audition. So basically I like closed the Zoom with her and went straight into the audition. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And lo and behold, a uh, little known fact that that you never actually had a scene with anybody. They shipped you a whole green screen studio. That's right. And, and I did, had, it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. did it completely <laughs> remotely from That's an empty right. house with a with a webcam. Right. That was all she hooked. <laughs> <laughs> That's where the real CG comes in. <laughs> that no actor is ever on set. Only that they they audition you and take a picture of your face and everything else is all computers. Correct. No, no not at all. This That's is the terror hard. of our times. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh God, oh I cloned God. my voice the other day and it's freaky. You what? I cloned my voice. What does that mean? I used I, I'm using AI to to do um, some fun stuff and uh, I fed like my track of one of these podcast interviews yeah. into the machine, into the, uh, into the AI brain. And within about 30 minutes, it spat out, your clone is ready. And so then I put the lyrics to Old Deuteronomy from Cats uh -huh. into, into the machine and said, here, make, make Alan clone say this. And uh -huh. it says it. Wow. So in post, I'm going to go back. I'll insert it right now for those listening in the episode. So now it is here. Old Deuteronomy's lived a long time. She's a cat who has lived many lives in succession. She was famous in proverb and famous in rhyme a long while before Queen Victoria's accession. Old Deuteronomy's lived many lives. No, I am tempted to say 99. When you heard this thing doing what you could do easily and effectively... Listen. What I do is isn't easy, Tatiana. Listen, no, no. Listen, I'm listen saying, I'm saying, you're giving a lot of credit to a thing that basically just was a voice recording of you back to yourself. <laughs> you're giving, you're endowing this robot with a lot more. You, you're sort of doing what you did with me with my university career to this robot. <laughs> it's you're right. It is in its infancy, and. uh it it you can tell that it is not smiling like you can tell that the shape yeah. of it is not there i don't think this infant is going to get to to walking <laughs> i don't think this infant is is a viable i think this is a, an inviable pregnancy <laughs> i'll on ai hard <laughs> dude yeah it's i have a, all kinds of feelings tricky. about it so gray house I want to bring that bring bring us to Grey House because when I heard like oh horror theater I went mm -hmm. eyebrow raise and then I saw it and then I yeah. was like eyebrows down eyes focused oh good okay good. <laughs> does it work yeah it works it works and the first thing I did when I I got on the subway riding home and I was like what the f does this show mean what does it stand for what does everybody else's take and I love that there are 
ultimately multiple interpretations to it, right? Yeah. And um, I guess Levi, the writer, when when he was with you guys during the process, uh, Levi Holloway, was did he pull you all aside and say, "Hey, hey, Tots, um, listen up. Um, this is what it actually is." Yeah, uh-huh. tot. yeah, <laughs> tater tot. Um, yeah, <laughs> tater tats. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, is this what it is? Like, this is what it is. This is what I wrote it to mean, but interpret it as you will, or was it just like, here are the lines, do your thing. It was a combo. Um, There was definitely like a few early rehearsals where it was sort of like a free, free for all, ask, ask Levi anything, Um, rules of the house, uh, backstory stuff, uh, what do certain, certain uh, scenes, what, what's the point of certain scenes. Um, And so we got to dig into a lot of it. And at the same time as Levi has like extremely specific notions about like the like like the the sort of lore of the house and why and who and all of these things and the timeline he also um it, it talks about it being written in a sort of dream state or from of his dreams and so i think there is a lot of uh room for interpretation and a lot of room for us to interpret and also when you're reading it to yourself before the you know when you're reading it alone it's a totally different thing than when you're sitting around a table and reading it than when you're standing up and doing it those three experiences were incredibly different for this play uh for me and for i think for all of us because it does live in a place that is really hard to define and yet is um very very much based on like real feelings and real dynamics between people mm-hmm. and you know the the characters relationships are extremely specific and extremely like in the in the real world as much as they also have other meanings and other you know dimensions <laughs> we're going to take a short break stay tuned for more of the episode Yeah, well, I'm, I'm sitting here watching the thing and I'm like, okay, so it, are, are they ghosts? Are they supernatural? Are they spirits? Are they demons? Are they are like, is, is the house alive? Is it somebody controlling the house? It's like all of these things are viable options. And did you ever pull Paul Sparks aside, who, who plays your husband in the show? Did the two of you ever get together and say like, right, here's where we are as a couple. Our characters are in this reality and this is how we're going to play this. Like, how did that how do the two of you develop that in relation to the house and the rest of the occupants of this living house? Well, it's interesting because the play and the house itself, and I don't want to say too, too much, but there is a pulling apart of these two, of Max and Henry, a pulling apart in many ways, but also just a pulling apart, a severing of the two of them, mm-hmm. this kind of tugging into in a different in different directions. And we meet them at a time of crisis. They've obviously experienced something very presently uh, traumatic, but they've also gone through a lot as a couple and are at a point where, you know, things could go one way or another as much as they love each other and as much as they uh, resent each other and all of that it's it there's no there's no clarity on like what could happen so coming to this house is this sort of test of their relationship so for us I think it was a slow process of like getting to know 
just getting to know ourselves in that story and then finding each other. And then we definitely had a lot of conversations to try to like make sense of things, but also to allow for a lot of freedom. And what's so great about Paul is that he's like endlessly searching, endlessly curious and and always trying new things. And that's like my favorite kind of actor to work opposite, especially in a long run like this, where, you know, people people don't always do that. And I'm very grateful to him because I feel like we're always digging and always, whether we articulate it to each other or not, we're always navigating new elements of the the relationship on stage. Well, that's, I mean, that's just good acting. It's good because yeah. what is it? The majority of acting is good listening. If if you're going to be a good performer, it's literally just authentically reacting to what's given to you. And if he does something different or if you do something different and then the other one reacts appropriately, then you're going to create a new meeting in the same lines or the same moment. Yeah. And I mean, that's that's the dream. And it's not always that. And and that's like, you know, the, that's what can be so disappointing is like, like you're saying, that's the key to it. That's, that's the thing that is joyful about it is like presence and communicating and listening and receiving and giving and taking, you know, all of that. Like, it's like, it's alive, but, but it doesn't always, it doesn't always happen. And I mean, you throw in Laurie Metcalf and Sophia and Caruso mm -hmm. and the rest of the phenomenal cast, like yeah. all of you together on stage and the the kids the the kids yeah they're, they're amazing it's it's such uh like i want to call it an ensemble cast while they're, it's still focusing around you as max and and paul's character um henry right henry yeah yeah so it's, it's surrounding you know max and henry and then the the, the way that that everyone comes in with a purpose and with absolute certainty of why they are there and what they are doing in that moment is yeah. it's just brilliant it's but brilliant the kids the kids from day one were making really interesting choices always and have continued to and they are some of the best listeners like on stage easily um always present and throwing new things at you and if by chance you're me and you drop a line the kids will pick it up <laughs> like truly it's happened where like they make sense of something going wrong and they they are uh, it's it's amazing it's amazing you like Lori and I were talking about it in an interview the other day and she was like they're amazing scene partners like they're reliable scene partners and that's absolutely true it's hard to find I think kind of yeah. in anything but uh I guess that speaks yeah speaks to them speaks to the talent you'll find here and did you say, I don't think you said, how did you get attached to the, the production in the first place? Was this another audition or was it you were some, put forth by somebody? No, it was an audition. I mean, uh, I, I think Lori was attached and uh, there was like an opportunity to read for Joe and for the casting agents um, or casting director. And um, yeah, it was just, it was a Zoom. Again, it's like the weirdest way to do any audition, but uh, theater audition, definitely strange. but. Thankfully, I was reading with someone. I wasn't doing a self tape, which are just like the death of the death of our industry. But um, yeah, it's it was really, really just that. And I read through a few scenes with them and and had great readers opposite me, which is always like a joy. Um, but yeah, that's it. That was it. Do you want to continue 
doing more theater or more TV or film? Like what is what's kind of like pulling at you these days? Because it seems like now you sort of have your pick of the litter because you're proving yourself in every single medium. I would love to do anything. And honestly, I mean, it's it's funny you say that because like the last job I did was an AMC show that got canned halfway through filming. So as much as like, I think I think we're just at a really strange place in our industry where um, money is being prized over like everything. And the people who make decisions have zero interest in protecting story or investigating interesting things. And I, I think it's just like, I'm so grateful to the writers for striking right now. I think it's like absolutely vital. And I really hope SAG does the same because I think there's there's some real shitty things happening. Obviously there always have been, but it's like come to such a head where the the certainty of being able to do the job that so many people have trained for 30, 40 years to do you know, people are losing their health care. Like, it's just like, not okay. <laughs> it's not good. There needs to be a massive reset. And um, I, I, right now, I'm not even thinking about like, what the next job is. I'm like, how do we, as a, as like an organized community of artists and laborers, like come together and change things so that we can continue to do our work. You know, I know, like, art and you you know this too like art can be uh it can be thought of as like it's just fun and you are so lucky to be doing what you do so take take zero money and just fucking do it Mm -hmm. um but it is labor and we all know that based on how hard we've all worked to get to where we are how many hours you have to put in the, the studying the training the the like being present here with you like you and i have to be in a certain headspace and have worked up to a point where we can connect in this way, you know, and like share with each other and communicate in this way. So I just think that's kind of where my head's at right now is like, all right, how do we fix, how do we fucking fix things? <laughs> I don't, I don't really know how, I don't know enough about the inner workings of like that high up echelons of all where all the money is controlled to, to figure out, what the answer is but i hear you 100 um and a lot of it a lot of it is just like getting back to the roots of why we're considering ourselves artists and why we're doing what we're doing in the first place is just to create and to influence and to to live laugh and love and all the other things that you put on inspirational posters so <laughs> in airbnbs in airbnbs yeah yeah hang yeah. in, hang yeah. in yeah. um but yeah i i totally feel that and i didn't realize there was so much going on with sag either because um from my point of view uh there's no podcasters union mm-hmm. so, so there's nothing for me to, to worry about yeah but I, ai like we were th- talking about cloning voices it's like stuff can get really weird really fast all of a sudden for but sure what i was going to ask you earlier that kind of what you just said brought it back to it was talking about the analog life and the digital life it seems like now you've only been in the theater space in the digital life and you know you and i grew up at the same time with analog and dial-up mm-hmm. modems and aol and all these other things that nobody knows what they are anymore mm-hmm. so now in the theater space like there's cell phones going off everywhere and mm-hmm. there's people not paying attention to the show because they need to check their text messages or whatever mm-hmm. the case so for for you coming in to the theaters to the broadway scene the theater space 
in you know the the teen the 20 teens and now the 2020s um is it do you know if, like have, for Lori, for example uh Lori metcalf like who's been doing this for decades right yeah. do, have you ever like compared stories of like has she sat down and she's like in the rocking chair you know saying back in my day <laughs> this is what theater used to be like because i imagine now with Marvel and She-Hulk and uh, even with Orphan Black, the stage door experiences for you in the digital age where you can just snap a picture and kids are demanding mm -hmm. it rather than asking mm -hmm. is much different than a lot of people who have been doing this for a lot longer may have had or may have experienced. Yeah, we have, we've talked a little bit. I mean, she's talked a little bit about Steppenwolf and about like her early days and just like the kinds of um, like, uh, what's the word? Uh, when you're like really scrappy, the scrappiness of the way that shows happened in basements, in this, that. I'm, I worked with Mark Lynn Baker on She-Hulk, and he talked a lot about starting out in sketch and writing things with his friend Louis Black and like being in like the basement of this theater and and growing an audience and training and like growing his craft and all of that. Um I feel like that's like the kind of stories I'm I'm often hearing. Um, I, I think there's there's definitely a way to engage with the digital element of this world, um, but I don't think it's I I don't enjoy it. What I enjoy is if I have an interaction with a fan who the show meant something to them or they had a thought about the show that was interesting or or Orphan Black meant something to them. You know, I met a couple of women last uh, last week who are together after eight years. They've been dating for eight years and they met through Orphan Black, like message boards really? or, or like, yeah, like at a, con a convention. That stuff is great. And that means something. And like a fucking picture or like an autograph. That's I don't know. I don't know. I think I don't understand it. I'm old. I don't get it. You know, I'm I'm way more interested in in like real I don't know, real connection. <laughs> no, I, I totally get it because now it's it's what I'm craving. And yeah. and not nothing against nothing against what we are doing right now, which is interviewing over a digital platform using Zoom. Um before COVID, it would be in the dressing room with you. It would be in the press agent's office. Yeah. It would be somewhere where we can actually feel each other's energy. And and while the internet, while digital ages made everything so much nicer and convenient in one ways in in the ways that are important, I think, like exactly what you said, the connection and the energy and mm -hmm. the comfortability to be able to share and and like we've never met before, you know, an hour ago. Mm -hmm. So but being able to look each other in the digital eye and feel comfortable enough to share with each other, it's 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 a skill. It's a practice skill to do it online, but it's so much easier in person. And I think we're missing a lot of that now. Yes. And I would say that that is sort of what I was saying about the self tapes thing. Um, I have experienced this in so many of my friends and people who I've worked with for years and people who have worked for years um, because casting is no longer meeting people in person. And I'm like the biggest advocate for COVID protocols. I think it it's still a thing. People are still dying from it. And I still really, I, I do not take it lightly, but I think there are ways for us to safely 
have in-person auditions uh, the same ways we are able to go to, you know, rest or we like, you know, figure things out. But I think that the loss of in-person auditions, the loss of casting directors, having an actor walk into the space and feel their energy and have a reader sit opposite and play with that actor and take, watch the actor take direction. I think we're, we're destroying, we're destroying that that art, which is the art of being present in a room, which is really hard. And you don't get it on a self-tape because self-tapes are the most self-conscious. You have to edit yourself. You have to film yourself. You have to light yourself. You have to hire a reader. They basically offloaded all of the labor onto actors. And now actors also have to watch themselves decide which take is best and send it off into this void where they don't even know they'll get feedback. So it's completely destroyed the actual, the, 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 the nut of what we do, which is connecting and which is responding and being present and taking direction. What else is an actor? An actor isn't somebody who goes like, you know, I'm doing a selfie face and right. like, you know, looking at <laughs> okay. myself in the camera, like that's not an actor. An actor forgets themselves and is present with the person opposite them. So I'm, that's another thing that I'm like, like you're saying about the analog stuff, it's like in-person stuff. That's where you feel that energy. That's where you know the metal of an actor. That's where you actually feel them. People can self-tape really well and come to set and not be able to do more than one fucking thing. And they're never going to give you anything different. But an actor is going to give you everything. And I, I'm a massive advocate for getting back in the room and that's, having those moments. And that's why I think live theater needs to live on and be accessible to everybody. I, I, I enjoy the pro shot, you know, the, the recording of a stage production to put it on Disney or to put it on wherever, just to, to get it out there. But there's yeah. nothing beats seeing something live and in person because you're with that, with those people, that person in that moment. And that exact show will never happen again. Yes. Brilliant. And you're communally experiencing it. You're screaming in certain moments during Greyhouse. You're laughing. You're maybe you're feeling you're feeling emotional, whatever it is, but you're doing it with the group and it's different every night. And that alchemy is never going to be the same. So it's yeah, I totally oh, listen. That was something I really liked about Greyhouse, too, is that we are able to scream together and we're able yes. to, to, to like freak out and then be embarrassed with ourselves that we just freaked out in front of a room full of strangers exactly. and, and then feel OK with it. You go through like all these range of emotions within milliseconds. Yes, totally, totally. And it, that that because I'm asleep on stage in that one moment where there is a big scream and hearing everybody's laugh after yeah this shared double experience of like oh my god we just felt something oh my god did you felt that you felt it too oh my god you reacted so <laughs> you know what i mean and it's I like exactly what you're talking so about, connective yeah. it's awesome yeah. yeah yeah all right so uh, i know you gotta run i'm gonna ask you three questions that i use to wrap up every episode the first one just simply what motivates you what motivates me is uh uh, uh <laughs> chasing that feeling of like chest expanding joy that I had when I was a kid <laughs> trying to find that in little moments again yeah oh that's beautiful I remember those moments okay so uh what advice would you give to your younger self and younger people listening now starting out down a similar path I would say uh, find 
find a community, find community in fellow actors, writers, directors, people who are creative artists, painters, whatever, be inspired by each other and build community because um, this isn't about you. This job is, you know, the, the, the biggest fucking thing that pisses me off about like awards is that they're awarded to one person when the whole, whole team is the group. That is what made that person spectacular, you know, or whatever. Um, just like, don't forget the community element of this job. And that's in everything we're talking about, you know, supporting each other, being there for each other, um, rehearsing together, playing together. Yeah. It's a live, emotionally connective shared experience that you can't get in pretty much any other way. That's which, right. Yeah, which again, yeah speaks to the the love of improv and I think why you're good at it too because that's mm. that's what you're focused in that's really interesting you should explore mm. <laughs> all right last question then if you can only see one show for the rest of your life but you can see it as many times as you want what would you see <laughs> giving me a panic attack <laughs> <laughs> what would I what would I see oh I mean is it I, 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 I've watched the, the thing I've watched the most is the TV series. I think you should leave Tim Robinson sketch. It's absurd, weird, fucking the greatest. It's so funny. Patty Harrison's in it. Um, Sam Richardson. It's. Oh, that just came out. Season three just no, came out. Season yeah, three yeah. just came out yeah. and it I'm, is I'm getting lots of clips sent to me from my friends from that. It's hilarious. It's Yeah. Yeah, that is funny. All right. Yeah. Um, so do you do social media? Where can we find you online? I don't. I mean, I'm on Instagram, but it's at whatever, tat.blat.brat. I don't know what it is. <laughs> tat.blat.brat. I don't post, so. You <laughs> no, threads, which is brand new. Yeah. Oh. Threads? No. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah, it's it's Instagram's answer to Twitter, which, of course, is dying a horrible, flaming death. Of course. And as it should. <laughs> as it should. Um, so now I'm on threads as of the last four hours. So find me on threads. Nice. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, thetheaterpodcast.com. Leave a rating review wherever you're listening. This is uh, uh, edited by me, Juke Music by Jukebox the Ghost, and Convo by, by the wonderful Tater Tots Mazzolani. And you know where you can find me? Where, 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 where? Uh, on the picket lines at the dip for the WGA and hopefully right. the SAG soon. That's right. Come join us on the picket lines, everybody. Break, break many legs. You're amazing in the show. Great House is amazing. Everyone go see Great House. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. That was great. Thanks so much. Take a deep breath. Make the world a little colorful. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.